0: there's a huge point of difference in my grip socks I do printing on the socks rather than the stitching within it and I also do grip up all the way from the toes all the way up the heel, which no one has done before so that just adds that extra trust within the product especially when you're doing chair work if anyone's into parties, you know what chair work is <laughs>
1: Hey, and welcome to Smart Online Marketing, where I chat to switched-on entrepreneurs and experts to chat about smart strategies to build your business in a profitable and sustainable way. My name is Katie Griffin, and I am in the digital marketing game. I specialize in Google Ads, and I've worked one-on-one with clients such as Chopos, Whimaker Law, and Snuggle Honey Kids. And I also have my own course teaching small businesses how to grow profitably using Google Ads. If we haven't met before, I'm a kombucha-loving, Real Housewives apologist. Alongside my love of all things pop culture, and yes, that does include the Kardashians. I'm a mum of two, a self-confessed hippie at heart with a love of all things business. Hello, on today's episode, I have the amazing Anne Hill, who she actually owns her own infamous store, which is called Socket & Co., which sells Pilates grip socks. And she's an expert in the field because her family runs a reformer Pilates studio and I met M because she was a student in my Google Ads course in about, I think she joined somewhere through midway through um, 2020. And I just she, she's so infectious and got such great energy. And during that course, she actually also fell heavily in love with Google Ads and digital marketing as a whole as well. So he's looking to branch out and offer that as a service too. So Em is a great example of just getting in, getting your feet dirty trying to understand the moving parts of your business and really being across everything and I just love that energy from her. We talk a lot about in this uh, chat today about you know how she got started manufacturing issues and then also how she fell in love with digital marketing and her plans to pursue that as well and I think you're gonna love it if you are interested in joining the waitlist of my Google Ads course that we talk a little bit about in this episode The link's in the show notes. It's katiegriffin.com forward slash course dash waitlist. And next week, I will actually be doing an early bird enrollment into that course, the last intake for, or the only intake for 2021, because I'll be going on maternity leave in the middle of the year. So I've only got the chance to run one course this year, and I will be offering a special early bird price if you jump on the course waitlist, so only those on the waitlist will actually get that um, special early bird price. So if you are interested, make sure you do head to katiebiffin.com forward slash course dash waitlist and you'll be notified of those emails and when the early bird offer opens. And I think that's all I really need to tell you before we dive into this episode, so let's get started. Well, welcome Em, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thank you for having me, I'm excited.
1: Yes, I'm so excited. You're actually lying. You're nervous. but I'm very nervous. <laughs> is this your first podcast interview? Ever. Wow. Look at yeah. you. You're on the big stage now. Stepping it up. <laughs> well, we know each other because you completed my Google Ads course, what, in the middle of the year? As in, like, I think you enrolled in the middle of the year maybe? Yeah,
0: year.
1: Yes. Sorry, before we talk about all that sort of stuff. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell people what you do?
0: So my name's Em. I own Socket & Co, which is a grip sock business. And I started that in 2018 just with a passion from going back. Our family owns a reformer Pilates studio and I really saw the need of good quality grip socks. So that's when I started in 2018. I actually started in 2017 and sampling socks for a whole year before I even came up with the first product and went, that's the one I approve. Wow. Yeah. So
1: that's a long time. And I think a lot of people that I've spoken to on the podcast as well have a similar story that they have, they did a lot of the research and the manufacturing like a full year before they actually went live with the product. Yep. Which yep. can be, I can imagine like quite a frustrating process trying to keep momentum up when you're actually testing things and trying to find the right product. Is that what you found or did you you, you kind of like doing other things at the same time? So you're,
0: yeah, I was doing other things at the same time. So I wasn't too caught up with it, but I knew at the end of the day, I wanted a good quality product that wasn't going to fail on someone. And I wanted people to trust my business. So to me, that process was the most important part of starting the business.
1: And let's talk about your actual product. So grip socks can you explain to people what they are and why you would kind of need them like what gap did you see in the market for good quality grip socks, grip socks why would you yeah. need them
0: so at our reform Party studio we <gasps> obviously sorry my dogs are <laughs> going it's mad time. um we stocked numerous amounts of grip socks and we just found that after one or two washes they were just disintegrating and the grip on the bottom of the sock which is obviously the grip sock at the bottom of the grip um it just wasn't lasting so that's sort of where it started um grip socks are perfect for pilates yoga barre, bar home workouts hospital if you're at home and you have slippery and you're a bit of a clums nut, it's really good to have a pair of grip socks on you because it just stabilizes you and keeps you secure.
1: And you saw the that, you know, you owned a studio, so you had a lot of feedback from and you were testing a lot of different products just naturally by stocking them. Yeah. What then made you want to start a business? Like that's a big jump between you've already got, you're helping your family out with their family business, which is in a, more of a service-based model or, yep. or a um a studio. Yep. What then made you think, I want to kind of go and create my own e-com biz?
0: Just always had the love for it. And I did actually have my own, I already do have my own e-com biz um, with King Kingsley, who's my dog. (laughs) So he was already quite successful before I started my sock. So what do you
1: mean? You had an e-com business with your dog? (laughs) Like you sell your dog?
0: I don't sell my dog, but my dog has over 183,000 followers on Instagram and he's- oh my god. He's a bit of a socialite in the Dachshund world. Um, so he's actually got his own coffee table books and hats. And a, <laughs> <laughs> I never knew this. How did I never know this about you? hello know. But, um, so
1: you'd already been selling and on. so you already sort of knew yeah, what that was about.
0: I knew the basics. I didn't know what I know now. Yeah. So, I mean, it did well, but my focus obviously isn't... King Kingsley anymore it's more Socket & Co.
1: Yes okay so you decide that you want to in 2017 you want to start kind of looking to manufacturers and, and finding the perfect product. Yep. What do you do then like what's the process of getting a product to then getting it to market and getting customers?
0: Oh I created an email database myself and I just emailed Numerous of studios, just a a personal touch. It wasn't anything spammy. It was just one email going, hey, I'm coming out with new grip socks. I'd love to send you a pair to try. I think I sent maybe, oh, I can't actually remember, more than 100 pairs to numerous studios around the world. So I started around the world and then I sort of scaled it back in and I went, okay, Emma, you need to calm down. Just Australia, work there, and then we can scale out later. So New Zealand and Australia are my two top um, stockists per se.
1: I want to dive more into that. So yeah. what happens then? You send out a cold email. That's essentially a cold outreach email. Yeah. What sort of, like if you run the figures on what sort of response rate you got from those and uptake you got from those, like out of 100, say, 100 pairs that you sent out, what yep. portion of those would have kind of gotten back to you with a response?
0: About 70%. Got I think probably
1: because you. you had a tangible product that you wanted to send out as well rather than yeah. just hey. I can do this for you or something. like Correct.
0: that. Correct. And my grip socks, there's a huge point of difference in my grip socks. I do printing on the socks rather than the stitching within it. And I also do grip up all the way from the toes, all the way up the heel, which no one has done before. So that just adds that extra trust within the product, especially when you're doing chair work. If anyone's into parties, you know what chair work is. And so
1: there's kind of a two arms to your business where you've got one that's, you're being stocked at, at Pilates studios and yep. are there, are you stocked anywhere else or is it mainly just the Pilates studios?
0: Only Pilates studios.
1: Yeah, and or different different types of studios. And then you've got a second arm, which is your direct-to-consumer, your e-commerce-based side. Yep. Did you find that one of those was easier to scale than the other?
0: Wholesale, definitely. So yeah. selling to my stockists were. Um, however, the last year I've sort of tried to go more just me selling them one pair and at And why a time. was that? There's more money in it, I guess. Yeah. More profit. Um, Is that
1: because then when you're selling to a stockist, you sell at a wholesale cost and then they take a portion of the margin, whereas when you're selling, I think also that's an important thing for people to understand is that when you're looking at, like a lot of people, I think it's a good idea to have different revenue streams, um, like, you know, wholesale and a direct-to-consumer. But when you go, there's pros and cons to each because when you're direct-to-consumer, you get higher margins but often lower Volumes, yeah, and when you're wholesale, you get lower margins but higher volumes. So you, you kind of have to balance the two and and have a mix of the two, I think, with yeah. business to to create like sustainable revenue channels. Yep. do you find that with the wholesalers, there's a lot of proactive outreach that you need to do to keep that that
0: revenue yeah. sustainable? You've got to keep them happy and because it is just me running the business, I do tap into my customers and I make sure that their stock's going okay or, or ask them how they are. So I try and keep it really, I guess I try and keep it a family feel. So I want them to feel yeah. like they're a part of the business while obviously they're ordering from me as well. So,
1: and does that take a lot of your time? It does, yes. Yeah, I can imagine like that, yeah. that outreach and that sort of stuff. So I think you've got to, which is probably why you wanted to then go down also scaling that direct-to-consumer yeah. Before we talk about how you have kind of managed to increase your sales on your website, maybe we can talk about some of the challenges that are involved in, I think, a lot of people maybe, well, people in e-commerce would realise, but there's a lot of moving parts to getting an e-commerce store up and running. Yeah. Um, what sort of challenges did you come up with? Like how did you decide what sort of, what provider to go with like Shopify or, you know, whatever it is? How did you make those sort of decisions? Did you have any... Uh, mentoring or coaching on that? Or was it you were just literally learning as you were going?
0: I've literally learned as I've gone. So, yeah, I mean, and I think, went to uni, I have a degree, but do I use that degree in what I do? No. <laughs> oh,
1: I've got a marketing degree and they don't teach you about this sort of stuff in marketing. So the, the practical foundational elements, I think, is where you need to bring in like courses and, and yep. ongoing upskilling because that sort of stuff just changes overnight that they can't possibly have degrees on that sort of stuff.
0: Yep. So, anyone um, wanting to go to uni to get a marketing degree, don't go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I posted on Instagram a couple of months ago about like whether I think that I could have been in the same position that I am now without a marketing degree, especially since my marketing degree cost me tens of thousands of dollars to acquire. Yeah, um, and I think that you know you can look at obviously hindsight's 20, 20, but you can look at different things. I think that I could be in the same situation without the marketing degree.
0: Yeah, but you know you've got yeah, to no. go through that stage of life like if you don't know where you want to be or what you really want to do going to uni is a good idea but I think you then when you find your passion then you sort of look back and you go yeah I probably shouldn't have spent that money or have that hex bill there
1: I know but that bloody that bloody hex bill
0: Oh, <laughs> um, I'm nearly,
1: nearly paid mine off oh, um,
0: so good.
1: <laughs> oh god so okay big decisions like that can what I see of students coming to my course now that are, are going through decisions like or they're maybe three years down the track and running an online store and they're like, crap, I should have gone with Shopify instead of Wix or instead of Squarespace. Yeah. How do you make those sort of decisions?
0: Um, do you think it's just I've, luck? No, I have worked with WordPress before. That's the first website platform that I did work for with the studio because my parents had that set up through a, um, a company. but I just didn't find it as user-friendly as something like Wix or Shopify. So I used Shopify for King Kingsley. That was the first time I'd used it and I loved it. I love how easy it is. I love everything about it. I'm learning more and more about it every day as well. So it's always developing. But yeah, I think for someone, I know how to code and I can code websites. Well, I'm not going to go code a whole website, but I do understand coding. But Do I want to waste my time having to worry about coding on like a WordPress website where I can be in Shopify and I can get things done way times faster and just make sure I've got all the fundamentals like SEO chucked in there to still make it rank? So
1: Yeah, and for those that aren't sort of familiar with a lot of the website stuff, WordPress is what's called an open source platform where you do have to do a lot more manual like a lot more, it's not as much of a plug and play system where yeah. Shopify, which is perfect for e commerce and probably the platform that I recommend the most for e com, would it's just you can get a lot of things out of the box. Yes, there's less customization, but it's such a powerful platform and there's so many developers on there that there's apps and everything you need ongoing. So a lot of the, you'll likely have, there's less ability to customize, but there's less ability for things to go wrong as well. Yeah. And if, you know development isn't your strong suit, which it's not mine. Like I can I'm like you. I can understand coding and I understand the fundamentals of things. Yeah. But I don't want to be spending my I mean my word my sites on WordPress, but I don't have e-comm necessarily yeah. um, as much. But it is, I think one of the most important decisions that you can make when it comes to your business at the start is choosing to go with the platform. And I don't think you can go wrong with either WordPress or Shopify. WordPress yeah. if you're like a service-based and maybe Shopify if you're e but yeah. there's really no downsides choosing one of those platforms it's where people have like tried to go on a cheaper platform and then they come down and they're like this doesn't integrate with google analytics this doesn't integrate with the third-party platforms that i want to use i can't do this these features the two big the two big ones are always going to be like you can do anything with them
0: yeah i agree with that and so you get your website
1: up and running and you get your products are you were you responsible for doing all of that like loading up the products writing all the copy photography I've,
0: yeah I've never hired anyone so far so yeah so it's wow. it's, it's just been me I've done all of the photography shoots I've done everything myself I am this year when I do have my stocking I'm going to look at getting a photographer in to do it for me just to because I'm not a photographer I there was a podcast I listened to it might have been your one about the um virtual mm. assistant and you can't wear all the hats you can't do everything mm. you've got to go with your strengths yeah. And then get someone else who that's their strength in photography and bring them on. So I learned a lot out of that podcast. Like that really resonated with me. So this year I'm going to look at getting a photographer in to do my product shoots and doing a proper photo shoot with models as well. So,
1: and I think that at the beginning when you're running a business, you and operating as a, a solopreneur or a one man band, you have no option. Like you don't yeah. have a lot of capital coming in or revenue coming in. And you don't have any option. Like I was like that at the start. And at the start, I always have had a VA just because for me, I see the immediate impact in the ability to outsource that sort of stuff. But in terms of photography or website design or um, web development or um, you know operations and all that sort of stuff, at the start, I was always doing all that sort of stuff myself. I did my website myself, and and that I think that the takeaway at the start, you kind of have to get your hands dirty with all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And also it builds a lot of skills because I can change anything on my website on the fly. I'm not beholden to yeah. someone else doing that for me. And I think that you do need to, as a business owner, upskill yourself on all those foundational elements so that you are, you like if something goes wrong, you at least have the skills to be able to fix it. Whereas yeah. if you rely on third parties from the start, and that's the thing with, with outsourcing and having a VA or someone like that hiring and I really do think that not as a control freak level but you do need to have some sort of understanding about what you're outsourcing because a then you know what they're if they're doing if they're meeting your um, KPIs or they're meeting their job description yeah and b you know what a like a good job looks like and what needs to be done yeah because I feel like with so many like if you would just said to someone oh I want I want it's like with your grip socks, right? If you just said, I want a grip sock and it came back and that was the first model you went with, yeah, you need to know what you want and know what a finished product looks like to be able Correct. to, yeah. So I think that yep. like at the start, everyone needs to kind of get their hands dirty with everything and then pull it back yeah. and be like, okay, now I've mastered or now I understand what I need from a WordPress developer. I need to take it to the next level and get someone that's going to do a better job than I do. Or now yep. that I know how to reconcile my zero books, now I can pass it off to a bookkeeper yeah. when you have more of that revenue coming in.
0: Yeah. I think it's so important to understand your business.
1: Oh, and I do too.
0: You've got to grow with your business. The more you grow, the more people you can bring in or the more you can expand or hire more people. I think it's so important to understand your business and how it runs and how it functions. Like a train.
1: I 100% agree. Going. And I think that it comes it can feel sometimes overwhelming and a burden to know what's going on in all aspects of it. And at some point you can bring on other team members to do that sort of stuff for you, but it can sometimes feel like a burden because you're like, I'm across everything, but imagine if you weren't across everything, like what would happen? Or like, uh, you know,
0: so many dodgy people out there as well that just won't do the job properly. So
1: a hundred percent. And also like, for example, things will always stuff up, like a payment provider might go down or, you know, this might uh, this might go to a 404 page and I know that if I get that email and that's happening I can go and I can fix it rather than waiting three days for a developer to do that for me yeah so having the skills to be able to upskill yourself on that I think it's um and you'll take the thing is also you'll take those skills of if you ever sell Socket & Co or move away from that sort of business the skills that you've had in building an e-commerce business are so yeah. transferable to, across to agencies or across to if you build another website. Yeah. And I, like, think of the the skills that I learned in running my e-commerce business is that was like doing a degree rather yeah. than my actual uni degree. Yes. So I think that you learn just so much in those first couple of years.
0: Yeah. And you've got when, to be ready to invest in yourself as well, though.
1: Yes, and take those next steps further, which you did I, by enrolling in... yeah. My course, which I think you actually—I just chatted to you on Facebook or something like that. So you were looking for a a Google Ads course. So what? At what point did you think this is something? I I can't remember at the start whether you were looking for a course or looking for like a service provider.
0: I was actually looking for someone who could do it for me, and then I realized the prices. Yes, and then I looked more into, and I was like, well, if I don't understand what they're doing, how do I know they're doing the right thing by my business and for my business?
1: So, can you step back a little bit and talk about, okay, you recognize that Google Ads is something that you want to do for your business. Looking into prices, what sort of prices were you coming up against when you're looking for like a monthly management, for example?
0: I heard one company who wanted $4,000, maybe $5,000 for a month. Yeah. This is is where my head was like,
1: my God, I need to charge more.
0: I just don't understand. And what are you going to do for me? And they're like, well, we can guarantee you this and this and this and this. And I went, and they can't. I feel like this is wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah. I so when hate I, overly sales, salesy companies. Oh, companies, so
0: bad. It. Like, and I felt like I felt like I was handing my baby over to a stranger, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, that stranger mm-hmm. could take advantage of me because I don't understand what's going on. So they yes. could be telling me like, "You're doing really well. You're converting really well, and your percentages are great." But I'm I'm just on it. I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's it's going great. Thanks." Yes. Without understanding what's actually going great, so. When you actually, oh, so I think someone tagged I think someone
1: you. tagged me. Well, I think what happened is in a Facebook group, you said something like, can anyone recommend anyone for Google Ads or something like that? I yeah. got tagged by one of my former students. And then I wrote back and said, hey, I've actually just started the latest intake of the course. You can check that's it out right. here if you want yeah. and enroll. And, and what, it. And what? yeah, I know. It was like, and <laughs> then you enroll. And what made you take the leap? Because obviously you'd never heard of who I was before and not many people have, but as in you didn't, you weren't on, I wasn't on your radar of like, hey, I want to do a Google Ads course. No. So what made you think that you would switch from wanting a service service provider, like a done for you solution, to then upskilling in that yourself?
0: I like to know everything. Yeah. I like to be across the board. And even if I do end up hiring someone to take that over in the future, at least I know what's going on and at least I understand it. So Mm -hmm. I think that's... Again, growing the business and understanding how to build a website or be across the e-commerce stuff, I think it's so important to understand your business.
1: And why do you think that wasn't your first because you are that sort of person? Ooh. Why do you think that wasn't your first thought rather than I want to hire someone to do this for me? Why didn't why why do you think it did you just think it wasn't an option available?
0: Yeah, I didn't know. I was I remember I actually wanted someone to teach me. And yes. I didn't know that there was courses out there like yours, which I've actually never come across another course that's like yours though. <laughs> so, <yeah.
1: laughs> in, what, in what way? Like what do you mean by that?
0: Like if I Googled Google Ad Courses, they're all sale pictures. Mm-hmm. whereas yours is true, it's real, it's this is what you'll get out of the course, this is what you'll learn. And that's it. Like it was very black and white. There was no pigeonholes. There was no grayscale areas, which I found with a lot of the other website, there was so many grayscales. It was mm. it was scary.
1: Yes. So you were a student of mine and I noticed a change from you, I don't know whether it was towards the end of the course, but I also noticed you developed a really big love for you, the Google Ads side of things yeah. as well, which is this experience I had when I was starting to learn that myself like what, seven years ago now,
0: yeah, eight years ago
1: now. And it was the same sort of situation where you kind of fell in love with the performance marketing side of things. And the yeah. and what was it about Google Ads that really resonated with you? Because I noticed like now you're actually looking to offer that as a service as well to other yeah. um, small businesses, which, and I think before you answer that question, I think that that puts you in a really unique position because- you know as a as a small business owner what kind of you need from a service provider. It yeah. gives you an advantage to know that this really needs to like it be trustworthy and also you know what you're doing and not just someone that's promising a $4,000 a month marketing and yeah. not actually get anything in return for that. So you have an edge to be able to, you're the customer as well as the service yeah. provider. Like you can understand that from a unique pers- perspective. But what was the switch that made you sort of fall in love with, Google Ads as like a digital marketing channel.
0: You know what? The moment I started that course, I was hooked. It was it was on. You like sped through honestly, the content. I, think I finished it. I was I was literally up all night. I was just hooked. My eyes were glued to the computer screen. I was like, "Oh, that works! Oh my god, that's amazing!" <laughs> the whole course.
1: <laughs> You're so funny. You were like, yeah, you were very, you were very keen bean.
0: I was so keen. I was so keen to get it done and see results and how it works. Like I, I love the process. I love it. Yeah.
1: I think probably because our brains maybe work in similar ways where it's very rewarding to do something and get a result and do something and get a result and see the numbers and be able to make decisions from those. And it's not just like, I think I've spoken about in the past where things like PR or SEO or branding don't resonate as much with my personality type or my brain, because I can't see direct correlation. Like I like to see cause and effect. Yeah. And you really get that with like performance marketing yeah. and Facebook and stuff like that as well, Facebook ads. So when you, like your passion switch, well, not switch, but you also have a passion for digital marketing now. So how do you plan to combine the two, like your e-commerce and also like your passion is obviously going to benefit your own business, but how yeah. do you how do you think that you'll combine the two?
0: Um, So once I have completed the SEO course, I'm going to offer that. I'm going to obviously learn more about it. I can't just go in straight willy-nilly off the course. Um, So I'm going to offer SEO, Google ads, and Facebook ads, Um, just my passions, just the things that I love because I find if I go further than that, I just, I won't enjoy it. So I don't know how I'm going to go about it yet because I don't want to be I don't want to be one of those people that are screaming at you and telling you things that you can't trust. So obviously we see that on Facebook as we scroll all day, every day, depending on what you put into Google, but so annoying. So I sort of just want to be word of mouth and start Mm. slowly start small. And then if I need a website down the track, or if I need, I don't know, something else down the track, then I'll do it. But I might just start with like an Instagram page, a business name, and then just slowly build it. So I don't want it to scale. I don't want it to be huge, just a tick over.
1: So it's growing to the point that interest in digital marketing as a component of your Socket & Co, it's going to the point where you actually are so passionate about it that you want to help other businesses with yeah, the same I sort of situation.
0: Would love to help other small businesses. Yeah. I would love it. I just want to see everyone succeed and grow. That's one thing I'm passionate about as well.
1: Yeah. And You spoke a bit before about that you are going through some manufacturing issues because Google has helped your business scale quite a bit in terms of the direct-to-consumer side and then you run into things like stock issues. Yeah. So how do you, um, you know, how do you combat that sort of stuff? How have you been working with stock shortages and stuff like that?
0: Um, Over the Christmas break, I went a bit quiet. I went, okay, (laughs) I need to just breathe here. I need to stop posting. I just need to reassess the business. Um, I've still got bits and pieces of stock, so I've just been working with that. Um, but it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It is hard when you have manufacturing issues because.
1: Especially because you feel so out of control, like you can't go in and fix that problem. Like you can't fly to the factory and make them yourself. If I could, I would. (laughs) So like, (laughs) how does that affect or impact? Do you get frustrated by that? Like, what do you kind of have to do with that?
0: I get really upset by it. I was supposed to have, um, all my stock before Christmas last year. Um, and now obviously it's the start of the new year and I have nothing for my, for my stockist and for my customers. So it breaks my heart that I can't provide everybody with a product that I believe in so much. And it's just, it's, it is that out of control feeling. So it's frustrating, but at the same time, I've also been working on my email marketing as well. So I've switched from, um, MailerLite to Klaviyo and I love it. So I'm, doing things on the business that I wouldn't have done if I had the stock because I would have been busy with that. So yes, in a way it's a good thing, but it's also, I don't recommend it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It gives you time to work on the business rather than in the business all the time, but still you'd rather be able to sell the stock at the same time. Yeah.
0: I had such a good flow from my Google ads. So when that flow's gone, you're like, oh,
1: But the good thing is, the good thing about having a channel like that is that it will turn back on and you can turn it, it's like a tap, you can turn it back on and you can generate more of those sales. Yeah. So like, do you have any ETA on that stock sort of stuff or is it just kind of, (sighs) yeah, it's totally out of your hands.
0: (laughs) Out of my hands. It's, it's the most frustrating thing. They've never been this slow or slack before, so It's very frustrating.
1: What, what do you think is the most challenging aspect of, of having your own business or running your own business?
0: I don't know. I don't really see it as a challenge. Yeah. I just love it. Any challenge that comes my way, I will just get on with it and just fix it if it needs to be fixed or yeah.
1: Do you get a lot more fulfillment out of this than if you're working for someone else?
0: hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I love working for my family and I love working with my mom. I get to see her every day, but I think I'm now at that stage where I'm ready to move on and progress with my own dreams as well.
1: Yeah. So what, before we wrap up, like what do you kind of see the future of Socket & code? Do you want to expand more into the wholesale or do you want to kind of keep going with the direct to consumer? Like what do you kind of see the future of that?
0: My focus right now is direct to consumer. Yeah. That's Where I really see how Socket and Co will grow, but yeah, hopefully I can make it my full time job and I can keep it ticking along. And one day I'd love to—I'd love my mom to finish up the studio as well. And I want to be able to hire her, so it's a little bit of a motivation to go. All right, mum, pack my orders, thanks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so transition to a new family business.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's really my goals at the moment.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great to talk to you.
0: Thank you. Can you
1: tell people where they can find you on social media and your website and all that sort of stuff?
0: Yep. So um, Instagram is Socket & Co, LinkedIn Socket & Co, Facebook Socket and & Co, and then the website's obviously just SocketAndCo.com.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much, Emma. It's been great to talk to you.
0: Thank you for having me. It's been great.
1: I hope you got just as much out of that chat with Em as I did. I think it's just so empowering to see a young businesswoman who's just taking her business into her own hands and kind of getting all the stuff done and is so passionate about everything. I just think she's incredible. So make sure you do follow her on Instagram. All the links are in the show notes and her website and all that sort of jazz. If you want to jump on the waitlist for the early bird of the Google Ads course, the last time, the only time I was running it in 2021, the link is kategriffin.com forward slash course dash waitlist. And the early bird offer going out next week. And you can save a few hundred dollars if you jump on that. And I'm at katygriffin underscore on Instagram. And make sure you forward this little friend if you thought it was helpful. Or just write a review. That always is a little, gives a little pep in my step as well. And I will speak to you on the next episode.